the St Albans Podcast Theatre Show with Ben and Susie. Welcome to the Theatre Show with Susie and... Ben, how's it going, Susie? It's all good. Well, Ben and Susie, whichever way round. Um, We've been to lots of shows again. We have. Oh, it's been a really, really good bunch of shows. I've had a lot of fun. I think we've got lots and lots to talk about. Um, However, before we get into the ones that we've seen together, you actually ventured over to Watford. I did. I went to the Pump House Theatre and I saw Endgame. So Endgame, Guy um, Peskin from Watford Pump House came on one of the previous podcasts. So stop right now, go back, listen to that episode and then come back to us. And uh, Guy came and spoke to us a little bit about um, Endgame on the show. And it was funny because he spoke to me, but actually just you went to see it. Yes. And it was really interesting, actually. It was an interesting show because it was it's, so it's written by Samuel Beckett. And it's um, Theatre of the Absurd. So one of the things I really, really struggled with, to be honest, I think this is because I just don't know enough about theatre, mm-hmm. or I'm not clever enough. Oh, it's not about anything. Oh, it's one not of those. about anything. There was not a clear plot for There wasn't you. a clear plot. Um, so uh, the sort of premise of it is it's the end of the world and what happens after the end of the world. And um, And what does happen? nothing because it's the end of the world and so there were all these characters just sort of carry and it was sort of a it was i think it was talking a lot about like why why do we do anything a lot of a lot of our lives is pointless but that's very dark and beckett it, it was dark and beckett and so like i i really found that the way that they brought it to life so there's a character and his name is Clove, played by Sam Buckingham. Uh, and I haven't seen him in anything uh, in the local theatre, but actually he was really good. Um, just because he was a bit... He represented the audience's view of, like, what on earth is going on? This is all pointless. So I thought he, he, the way that he portrayed himself was really good and so then you kind of empathized with his character because he was basically emulating what you were mm. feeling <laughs> and then and then um the bleakness of the world through the set and through the lighting and things like that w- was really effective as well so i i i can't say i enjoyed it i'm not sure that beckett is the guy for me i haven't watched much beckett but um yeah i prefer plot <laughs> I think that's the thing with with his plays. I mean, it's been a long time since I've seen one. Um, but you know, like Waiting for Godot, it is very kind of it, it. The whole kind of point of them is that they're sort of just you know almost very repetitive and mm. very kind of just holding you there and making you question exactly that the big big question like what is the point? Mm. Um, and so you you look at it. It's funny. I wish we could this with video because you do look at me like really. What was the point? Yeah. It, it, I, <laughs> It was one of those things where it's like, I'm sure you're making a really clever point, but I can't figure it out. I'm really sorry. Um, but like, hats off to the to the actors and stuff like that. Like, you you can't change the script. You can't add a plot where there isn't mm-hmm. a plot. Um, and so I think that's probably... It, it is my fault that I didn't get what was going on. A tough play to watch. I think it's good that we have, a, we have such a good mixture of like really tough to watch ones like that. We had... You know, we've seen ones recently we've talked about on the podcast have been very, very similar like mm. that and a bit more on the artistic scale rather than on like the entertainment mm. scale, if you like. Yeah, you're not going to sell out a stadium with uh, Endgame, I don't think. <laughs> not even if it was Christian Slater. <laughs> no. I mean, oh, I, that's such a random, that's just for me. If yeah, Christian I, Slater's in it, I'll go watch. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know who that is. What? Oh, good grief. On that note, 
<laughs> let's take ourselves um, off to one of the shows that we went to watch recently. We went to see The Yellow Wallpaper. We did. At the Maltings Arts Theatre, put on by Ovo. It was directed by Sarah Ferdinand, who, again, joined us on the podcast recently to talk about it. So, again, if you haven't heard that interview, stop. Go listen to it and then come back. Um, in the meantime, let's go down. We're going to hear what we were thinking before what the audience thought, and then what happened after. So join us again. Be prepared. Okay, Saturday night, we are at the Maltings Arts Theatre. Watching the yellow wallpaper. So we had Sarah and Lily came on the last episode of the podcast, so stop now if you haven't heard that one. Go and listen listen to to it. it. Um, I'm very excited about this one, because this is all about... um, new mother like come life as a new mother which ben funnily enough has no experience i've I've never been a mother new or not or otherwise (laughs) so i think we're gonna see things in an interesting Mm. way yeah i i'm really excited about it let's go see it let's go stephanie winnard um my thoughts about the play is that I think as a mother I was able to identify with a lot um, that was portrayed throughout the play and I think it's quite interesting seeing it from a different perspective and and kind of being portrayed back to yourself Um, and I think there's lots of um, situations there in terms of the actual childbirth and the kind of struggles of loneliness and separation that you can identify with um but i think it's i think it's a really good piece and it, i certainly think that it would help to highlight to those that, that haven't been um in that situation what what it is like to go through um postnatal depression hi i'm iris and um yeah i thought it was um like I was much more kind of um, moved and touched than I thought I was going to be especially walking in and seeing such a small theatre and like we were on the first row and like I don't know like it just hit me much more than I thought it would and yeah yeah. my name is Andrew Cousins uh, what I was actually really impressed by is the economical nature of the set. You know, there was like very basic uh, like framework that was doubling up as a bed, as a bar, uh, you know, as a club. And I thought it was um, really in- an inventive use of space and enabled you to like to focus upon the characters and the action without being overly wowed by the set and absorbed in it. So I thought that was quite a you know, clever use of the space as well. I enjoyed that. Okay, fresh out of the yellow wallpaper, Ben, what are your initial thoughts? Wow, I am <laughs> not ready to give birth to a child. <laughs> well, that's convenient. I think, I've got so many mixed feelings, I think our review of this is going to be super interesting mm. because I've already said to you, I didn't love the first half, but I got chills in the second. See, I, I felt it. It was that kind of, and I'm going to use a word that doesn't quite mean what Uh-oh. I think it means overwritten sense in the first half that felt like it gelled together almost like a clockwork like grandfather clock and everything clunked together and it went bam 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 very like I say over rehearsed whereas the second half was so much more about feelings and, and the emotions and the relationships between the characters which 
That's ironic, given there were fewer characters really in the second half. But it was more about dynamics than it was mechanics, I suppose. First to second half, that's the comparison I would make. I think we need to mull this and let's chat in the studio. So we've had time to mull. It needed a lot of mulling, I'll be honest. (laughs) So let's go back and take a step back. So The Yellow Wallpaper um, is based on a book and Sarah Ferdinand took the the book and wrote this the script um mm. from the base of it so it it was her kind of editorial decisions i guess to um the way that she produced it and the story is of a, a woman in a relationship who gets pregnant and um then uh, as she sort of has the baby the sort of challenges that she's then faced with and mm. her her deterioration into a state of postnatal madness if you like um i think one of the things that's really interesting that the kind of plot twists that not even Sarah knew was coming is that she ended up changing the the role of he the husband um into a female part into they into they yes um so as rehearsal started the male lead dropped out and mm. the the rest of the cast who was all female decided well one of those would just step into yeah the, the role. assistant director Lily Prowse so Lily when she came in and spoke to us about the yellow wallpaper at that point it wasn't going to be he <laughs> <laughs> um so I think that gave it a really interesting dynamic because the main Mm. relationship you're looking at was actually a female relationship. Um, And interestingly, somebody did ask the question at the end, well, how did she get pregnant? I thought, well, Mm. it's theatre love. Anyway, um, the answer to that is it was an IVF pregnancy. Just, Mm. you know, they had a donor. Uh, Anyway. And and, uh, so they, the character they, was a gynaecologist so would have known how that process worked and etc 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 and it's the modern world yeah so um where should we start with this i so i just want to pick up on the the gender so uh a whole cast um filled with women and it is a lot to do with being a woman isn't it and it's a lot to do with childbirth and and things like that and i thought that it was a really interesting choice to, well, not choice. It was a really interesting choice that was forced on them <laughs> to have a cast um, entirely comprised of women, and I thought it really worked. Mm-hmm. Um, someone in the audience said that it removed the idea of gender as the power relationship, mm. and actually it was more about these two individuals with the power relationship. Yeah. Um, and, all, and I think that the job played into that of the they being a gynecologist and just know well you know it says in the textbooks that you know the baby should latch on and you should just just be able to do it because you're a mother and da, 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 Absolutely. Da, and making her feel so inadequate i thought that was a it worked it really worked for me at least that's it so i mean we start we walked in and as we walked into our seats uh there was a disco mm. taking place um and the whole um the whole setting was around a bed frame that was used as the disco mm. uh, dj booth a coffee shop uh the hospital bed the bed yeah. um you know the, so the confines of the room yeah uh, it was a really clever um minimalist set that worked mm. very very effectively um so you had that going on um 
they moved from the disco and you had the main character she with her friend talking and they were very feminist to her you know the the, the best friend mm. was a real kind of overplayed anarchic feminist she was a facebook feminist oh she was she? that's a good description yes um you know power to the people fight you know power to the women fight the fight the patriarchy you know fist pumps and and mm. whatnot um and there was a moment that was kind of funny because they were talking about this and well kind of emulating being on the toilet yeah um which was an interesting choice i really like that because <laughs> it was um again it's just like showing people in a very vulnerable state i yeah. suppose yeah and then you know, you get into you move kind of quickly into sort of when when she meets they and they start this the couple then begin this relationship that moves very quickly into um you know deciding to have a child and what struck me about it was very much there was this undertone of a domestic violence Mm. um you know kind of coercive control uh relationship where her concerns weren't being kind of met with the you know she the main character was being spoken down a lot um and i think that had that been played in a traditional male female relationship i'm not sure that people would have picked up on it as a as a kind of abusive relationship i yeah i think that people see that as acceptable and because it was woman to woman it somehow felt less acceptable i well i really hope that that isn't the case but wow if if that was the case i've just shocked you because i really felt like um there were definite sort of hints at they being a man. Yeah. Um, it felt like a, a masculine character, even yeah. if it wasn't a male character. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would like to see it and see if I pick, picked yeah. up on that. Cause... See if it was the other way around. I just, one of the, the moments that, yeah, she's, um, so Lily's character comes back after work um, and Samantha who's playing she had had this horrible day she'd she hadn't, you know she'd been bed all day trying to get the baby to latch on breast is best was being kind of rammed down her throat mm. she was in absolute pieces she basically hadn't been able to get out of bed all day she hadn't showered in comes her partner and she's thinking finally someone here who's going to help me out and the partner sort of goes oh well you know you should try a bit harder anyway I'm off to have a shower and you just think Mm. that was and I almost think that you expect a woman to be more sympathetic to that had it been a man who'd done the same thing be like oh he just doesn't understand there there was a line where it was like oh I wish I could uh, hang around the house all day and play with the baby Mm. and like for that point I was like yep you know <laughs> well let's carry on this so let's hear, hear a word from some of our fellow uh, podcasters and we'll come back and talk a little bit more hello i'm simon carver join me and danny smith on our new podcast the st albans film guide each week we'll be looking at what's on at the cinema the top 10 uh, new releases and also what's on tv over the coming week on all the free-to-air channels now if you want to find the podcast go to your podcasting platform of choice and search for the st albans podcast Alternatively, you can go to stalbanspodcast.com to find out more. So that's the film guide with me, Simon Carver, part of the St Albans podcast in association with the Hearts Advertiser. And we're back talking about the yellow wallpaper. Um, I mean, I think one of the things that I I really struggled with actually at the beginning, I didn't really like it. Mm. I, why, why do you think that was? I don't know. It was. I think the beginning was maybe just quite stylized and it was very kind of there was a lot of arty bits to it that I thought where is it it felt quite slow I thought where is it going there was a sort of a there was a sex scene um which 
I didn't have a problem with per se, but we had the kind of dancers dancing around the edge of the bed. And I was like, do we need the dancers with their little, you know, sheets dancing around it? And it, it was almost like a cartoon, it felt like. Yeah. Uh, like, it, in fact, it reminded me of the sexual education video that I watched <laughs> as a child when I was in year six. That's disturbing. <laughs> it was, there were little moments like that. And I thought, oh, I don't know. It, it felt like, oh, we're going to, is this going to take a long time? Did you not find that charming, though? I, mm. I, I found that it was, it, as, it, as it got going, it was just more and more charming. And then that, that's why I found the whole sinister element of the plot quite so gripping is because I'd already relaxed into the, oh, the, you know, this is a nice, like, artsy, artsy time to be. I don't know. I think I was waiting for the... I think I was really waiting for the, the kind of recognition that she was struggling mentally. That might mm. that might be it, because I think one of the things that is, when women struggle after having a pe- had a baby, people don't notice, mm. and they think, oh, she's just tired, or she's just... Yeah, she's just getting used to it. She just find you know. There, there's lots of oh, it's okay. You know, mm. ev- everyone goes through the baby blues, and it's quite no- it's very normalised. And um, even there, there was a bit where the girl was um, walking down the street with the baby, and there was like, oh, your blanket, too many blankets, not enough blankets. You know, mm. hope you're breastfeeding. Are you doing this? Are you doing that? And these complete strangers judging, and it was, you know, it was almost like too brief that that was kind of shown. <coughs> Excuse me. So. I think for me the second half was where it really got quite interesting and it really picked up because mm. that was where it was such a clear you know madness there was a real question mark of that they'd kind of gone away to this house in the country that you know to allow her to have a retreat but really what it done is isolated her completely mm. um and it was you know was she in a mental house or was she genuinely in you know a friend of a friend's home whatever aunt's home it mm. was it, it definitely, to me, it felt like a deliberate ploy by they to isolate th- um, yeah. the mother character from her friends and her family. Mm. Um, but equally, you know, uh, they has access, because they're a doctor, they have access to, you know, well, if we wanted to incarcerate someone, they would know how to do it and things yeah. like that. Yeah. And, and they were drugging her all throughout yeah um saying you know this will help you get pregnant or this will help you recover da, 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 da. yeah what was in those pills what was being taken at all those times and, yeah. and and did that feed into the psychosis as well did that feed into why she was going crazy mm. locked up in this room well no one was help i mean the you, nobody was actually helping mm. there was no well the, the sister uh, you know sort of took the baby away and started helping with the baby a bit at the end but no one was helping her it was quite yeah it was quite frustrating and distressing and i i think um again sort of taking a step back so sort of jumping again but one of the things that that Sarah did really well was had the actors come on stage mm. and make baby noises baby crying baby crying noises. noises it was incessant uh, yeah and the scene just went on oh. and on and on and each and person had a different crying. kind of crying mm. as well and it was oh and it was so I think that was one of the most effective tools mm. for letting people see how like it doesn't Ow. stop. Oh, it doesn't stop. It just doesn't stop. No. And then that because. relief that you felt when it stopped, and then uh, the they came in, and then the I'm baby like the started crying ah! again. No. And you felt the the frustration of the mum, just like oh, you just stop crying. Been there, been there. Um, I mean, all in all, I thought it's fantastic play. It yeah. was really good. Ab- actual chills at the end. Actual chills. Um, and I thought it was really smart as well. The the session we saw, they had uh, a Q&A with a psychologist at mm. the end. 
um, which was really interesting. And it was some really interesting questions from the audience. And I thought it was a really lots and lots of leaflets from Mind. Yeah, around. really supportive of the sort Very. of, you know, if this has affected you and or you need to talk about it. And to understand, you know, if, if you might, maybe people were there and they recognise some of those things in a friend of theirs. And, mm. I, you know, I really feel like people might have gone, oh, actually, I'm going to reach out to someone and, and talk to them. And, um you know just very very interesting so you mm. know big well done we, we enjoyed that one good piece of art I'd good say piece of art. let's talk about another show that's coming up shall we oh is there another show there's, coming up I believe there's a show coming up at the Abbey Theatre over Christmas called George's Marvellous Medicine oh that sounds like a fun romp I might go and see it you can't go and see it um, the reason Ben can't go and see it is because he is George I'm playing George and yes. what age are you playing I'm playing 12 years old brilliant so anyone who knows me knows that I normally wear a beard, but I've had to shave, clean shaven to make me look 12. <laughs> and you know what? You do. It's frustratingly <laughs> effective. Yes. So yeah, it, it's been a lot of fun. I, I think that potentially, touch wood, this might be the best thing I've ever been in. Well, I got to see a sneak bit of rehearsal oh, last yes. night. And I have to say the set is phenomenal this is and it's one of the most technically ambitious sets i uh, believe yes i i know that they downgraded it a little bit because we're, the sink doesn't work which, oh wow which was gonna, no running water which outrage. was going to be an absolute extravagance because there's no point where we need a sink but they were like yeah we can do it um but yeah we have we have uh, a giant chicken we have grandma going through the roof of the house there's an upstairs there is an upstairs Four entrances and exits. Four entrances and, and exits. A giant bull. A cow. A car. A car. A uh, whole flock of chickens. A whole flock of chickens. Two pigs. It, incredible. We've got the lot. Incredible. Um, and I have to say, for watching a rehearsal, I mean, it's looking very polished. It's, it's so much good. fun. It's, it's very energetic. So very. I think you, it's very physical. Mm. Um, and I have to say, so. We were talking about it a while ago, and um, the director Sinead said that you know maybe sort of seven plus on the age range. I think kids of all ages are going to enjoy it, and I'm going to take a three and a five year old. Um, I think they're going to love it because it's so interactive. Mm. It's it's just it's very lively, colourful. I mean, people know the story. If you don't know the story, Roald Dahl's George's Marvelous Medicine. George tries to you know cure his grandmother of being really nasty is that what you're trying you're not trying to poison her then you're trying to cure her her of nasty yeah yeah i've got a medicine that i want to make her better and i feed it to her and she doesn't get better but she does definitely does get bigger (laughs) so also in this show um there is a newcomer to the abbey theater we should say as well obviously also starring in the show is danny danny smith of of the main podcast my dad is he doing a good job uh, well, he hasn't sort of played catch with me or anything, any of those dad roles, has he? <laughs> so he's, he's really failing he's, you he's as a dad. He's been a bit of an he? absentee father, I'll be honest. <laughs> he's busy on the farm, I think, <laughs> wrestling giant chickens. But and... no, Danny's really good in it. And uh, MJ, who we have an interview with, mm-hmm. she's really, really good. So this is the first thing that she's done with the Abbey Theatre. And we should, just before we go into that, mention as well, of course, Lisa, who's playing your mum. She oh, yes. was in last year's Christmas show with she you. She was, she was playing your wife. Playing your wife, I believe. Yes, she so I was Mr. Cratchit. I was Bob Cratchit and she was Mrs. Cratchit. And now you're playing her son. Yeah. This feels... The the difference a beard can make. The difference a beard can make. So let's have a chat now. We're going to go uh, to an interview Ben and I did actually on stage at the theatre talking to MJ because it's her first stint at the Abbey Theatre. Let's listen. I am down at the Abbey Theatre with... 
Ben. For a change. <laughs> and we are on stage. I know. But not only on stage, we are on stage with one of the stars of George's Marvellous Medicine. And George's Marvellous Medicine is being put on by the Company of Ten over Christmas from... The 14th to the 29th of December. Tickets selling fast. Link on the website, that's stalwartspodcast.com and in the show notes. But let's talk to MJ, shall we? Let's go. MJ, tell me about... Um, well, tell me, what's your character? So I play the grandma who is quite bossy. She's in charge and she doesn't really like the rest of the family. And she's a bit of a bit of a surprise as well. So they don't know that she's coming and then um, she arrives. Ah, so angry grandma comes for a visit. And, and Ben, you're playing George. We might have mentioned that before. Yeah, I'm playing George. So MJ is my evil grandmother. Uh, and so to play a trick on her, I feed her some marvellous medicine. And anyone who's read the book will remember this story. I read it but a long time ago. Tell me about what happens when you have the marvellous medicine. So I don't want to give too much away, but... Well, I'm going to have to give it away anyway. <laughs> There's an effect. <laughs> um, but I basically end up growing really tall. So tall that she goes through the roof. Okay. And, not, and not in terms of emotionally, physically goes through a roof. Both, maybe. <laughs> I mean, I'm, so we're standing on, this, on the stage, as Ben said, and this is the first time I've had a glimpse of this. It's a phenomenal set. How, like, tell me about how, how does this kind of change how you've been rehearsing to be in a set like this? Um, and tell us about the set. Tell our listeners about what is this set so like. So the set is really amazing, actually. The people that have done the set have actually done such a good job because when we first started, we literally had no idea what it would be like. Mm-hmm. And now it's all coming to life and it's really colourful and it makes it more realistic. And so I think the people that are going to watch will be pleasantly surprised by the set. So tell me about this. There's a staircase. That t- where does the staircase lead? The staircase leads to the upstairs of the house. So there is two floors on the stage, which already is quite complicated. (laughs) (laughs) I can imagine you Uh, haven't been able to rehearse this yet. (laughs) And what is the upstairs? So the upstairs is a bedroom and a bathroom, complete with tin bath. Yeah, I can see there's a bath. I'm enjoying, I'm hoping you get in that. And downstairs we have what looks like a chicken cage. A chicken shed. Yes. Chicken shed. Sorry, sorry. Technical. And um, who who lives in a chicken shed, MJ? The chicken. The, <laughs> the chicken shed. I was going to say that we also feed some of the medicine to one of the chickens. Well, a lot of the chickens actually. We test quite a lot of our medicine on animals, oh, okay. unfortunately. Like sorry, Peter. <laughs> um, but then one of them grows huge. One of them gets massive. So, I mean, this all sounds fantastic. I'm very much looking forward to bringing my, uh, well, nearly three and five-year-olds to come and watch this. But MJ, let's go back to you. This is your first Company of Ten show. Yes, it is. And it's really exciting. Um, It's been an amazing experience so far. And everyone's been really lovely. And it's just really exciting. I think this is the biggest stage that I've been on so far. So it's a bit scary, but actually I'm looking forward to it. Um, and it's going to be fun doing multiple shows in a day as well. So mm-hmm. that's going to be something. And I mean, the listener can probably hear you don't sound old enough to be a grandma. 
I don't think I look old enough. <laughs> Certainly not. I mean, that's my polite way of saying you are not old enough to be a grandma. So I think we're going to see yeah, some fun with costume. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. So I'm going to try and make her a stylish granny because I want her to be stylish. <laughs> um, and I don't know what else we're going to do. Probably some makeup. I'm definitely going to be wearing a wig. Um, but I'm going to have to try and pull it off. It we'll sounds see. like we might need to interview Sinead some point about some of her director decisions. To bring this, <laughs> yeah. Because this is, this is quite something that's coming together. But lovely. Thank you, MJ, for your time. I will, I'll will i be interviewing you after the show to see how it felt actually doing yeah, it. That yeah, that sounds so good. Thank lovely. you. And Ben, I can't get rid of you, so... No, I'll see you back in the studio, it. but reluctantly. <laughs> see you. Thanks, everyone. So we went to see the children up in Ovo, uh, and I believe that we've got our thoughts coming up right now. So this is Ben and Susie, live on site. On scene. <laughs> Mise on scene. <laughs> we are at the Maltings Arts Theatre, um, about to watch Ovo's production of The Children. Yeah, I don't think it's going to feature many children. Yeah. <laughs> Zero children. Everyone uh, who will have listened before to the previous podcast will know exactly <laughs> what to expect. Um, we've just been told it's an hour and 40 no interval. Dun, yeah, dun, dun. it's going to be a marathon, not a, a sprint. Marathon. Are we ready for it? Let's go. Fresh out of the children. I know how I'm feeling. How are you feeling? Shaken is yeah. the only word. <laughs> absolutely shaken. Oh my God, that's harrowing. An was, absolutely harrowing. But you say harrowing, but it was also freaking hilarious. It was very funny. And like, um, it was funny and you were laughing at the joke sometimes. Yeah. And then sometimes you were laughing at your own reaction to what was going on on stage. It was yeah. just... Oh, there was there was some some horrific stuff that was going on. I know it was it was brutal and it was I mean that was brilliant. Mm, really, really I, good. I think that's one of the best things I think we may have seen since we started doing this podcast. Bold. Yeah, I I, I would agree with that. It's um, I I almost feel like I need a shower or something <laughs> after that. I'm just so tense i feel like we've come out of things before and we're like yeah we need to go away and think about this but this one i feel like for like really good reasons there's think just about so this much to think about there's so much for to so pray, long was, we'll do the next podcast in like a year's time gonna, and i'll like, still be thinking about uh, it oh this is yeah really good looking forward to talking through it properly but brilliant the children wow <laughs> uh it was so powerful really really powerful so the the premise again go back listen to the interview with the net holland um david bevan we spoke to you on the previous podcast um the the story is that there's two retired nuclear physicists living in a cottage by the sea on the suffolk coast um and they get a visit from a friend of theirs who used to work with them at the nuclear power plant mm. up the road um, there's been an incident um, some years before. There's an incident. Um, the and plant worried was ev- about radiation levels. Plant was evacuated. Like there's leaks. There's things happening, um, and the friend has come back. Um, and we essentially, don't really know why. Yeah, it's very confusing. It's very vague. Um, there's lots and lots of conversation about their children, and it's mm. very much kind of focused on what we know about or don't know about their children. Mm. Um, and in the end, it's sort of revealed that her her reason for coming to see them is that she wants them to return with her to the power plant and help fix you know, the, the, the damage and the, the leak. Because yeah. there's a whole team of younger people in there right now who are 
basically putting themselves in in the way of death trying to fix it mm. um and they've got their whole lives ahead of them and it's these three older people i say they're not old because they're all sort of you know essentially in their they've 60s just retired, yeah should they be the ones going back a because mm. it was their damage that got fit that that's all their sort of thing that's gone wrong and b because they've got a shorter life expectancy mm. um, uh, or have they earned the right to not go back and do and do that big questions um and i i thought it was really interesting and really interesting the the i suppose similar to endgame in that like a catastrophic event had happened mm. and really it's like the how interesting it is that you carry you still have to do the washing up even though a nuclear power plant's <laughs> like blown up um and all that banality mm. uh that carries on even after a disaster there's, there's something quite compelling about that i don't yeah. know why yeah it was a very i think that was part of the charm of the setting of it it was a very um it, this sort of cottage it was it was a, a hugely intricate set that was mm. this cottage and it was funny because as we sat there i thought oh gosh they haven't put up that wallpaper very well it's a bit peely off and mm. then you sort of realize that yeah it's supposed to be because mm. it is a sort of out of nowhere um cottage and you know if you if you number two in the downstairs toilet it gets blocked up and leaks on the floor as we find out <laughs> <laughs> um and you know it is they, they're, they're eating on rations they've got water rations there's a water tank sitting you know like a kind of a, a bucket with a, a mm. nozzle on it that's sitting on the sink so they get their water from and the, there and the power doesn't come come on until a certain time and things like that and they try not to use too much of it yeah so mm. it's it, it was very cleverly done and you've sort of uh, i I mean, so you kind of start off and the lights come up and there's a figure standing in the middle of the stage and it's this friend who's come to visit and she's got a nosebleed because it turns out she'd surprised um, she'd surprised her friend by being there when they weren't expecting so her. So she punched him in the face. <laughs> I was thinking maybe a frying pan that caused it. But yeah, oh, either maybe. way, there was, there was... I'm just exaggerating it. Um, there was an it was a very... It was a very darkly funny piece of writing i um and i was actually sitting next to stephen cunningham who we've spoken to he wrote um fugue and um he directed that we spoke to him recently and afterwards he said to me have you seen much comedy (laughs) 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 i wasn't the only one laughing (laughs) (laughs) um but there was it was a very witty piece and i think annette in particular annette holland in particular has got a very a great way of delivering Mm. a lot she had a lot of those lines that were just very funny yeah and very deadpan yes. as well. yeah um and then we had some david widdowson came in about halfway through and and he's the the husband um he'd been off feeding the cows that were sort of in the exclusion zone of mm. the uh of the the fallout from nuclear um plant which we then later found out they, he's not feeding, he's not the, feeding cows. the cows he's burying the cows which is just dark as mm. well one by one and so he's going back into the exclusion zone exposing himself to all this radiation just to bury the cows uh and it it, it speaks to i suppose his sense of duty of, mm. you know i i'm looking after these animals um and i i have a duty to them and similarly i do i have a duty to go back and fix this mess that you know mm-hmm. maybe i didn't specifically make but every everyone that i worked with we co- contributed, contributed to to the the power meltdown so I, I thought that there were a lot of interesting parallels like there's a there's a lot about how uh, the wife character is always, you know, getting on at him about eating um, vegetables. 
and mm-hmm. you know you got to have a salad you got to be healthy and all that sort of thing because you got to preserve your life if you're not preserving your life then what what and what's she's the very point into yoga looking after her body mm. you know really kind of and I think that was the thing so you find out that the friend has cancer or has had cancer uh, the husband is suffering from radiation poisoning mm. um, because of spending all this time in exclusion the wife is still looking after her body and is potentially fine so is it that you know when you've got this question of who should go back into the plant the friend and the husband are you know obviously quite keen and they're sort of almost going and it's almost like there's a bigger question mark over the wife because mm. you know she's healthy she could still live a really long life but in the end it is an unanswered question but i think she was going back in i'm certain that she goes back in she's the sort of lady that recycles she's the sort of lady that everything has its place Mm -hmm. and you do your duty and even though she would say that it was unfair and she shouldn't be there and she deserved to be enjoying her retirement she knew in her heart that she would go back and she would save those young people yeah and i think you know in terms of style and plot you know it's a very clear plot through it um it was it was a very kind of you know well styled play it wasn't over stylized it wasn't overdone i'll tell you what it was it was a post-apocalyptic the archers <laughs> that's what it was visual though <laughs> yeah yeah okay i see that yeah Post- what happens in the archers when the local power station explodes mm. okay we'll, we'll watch out for that one <laughs> i thought i actually really enjoyed it. sometimes i don't like this i've seen random dance routines in um shows and i thought what's going on this had a random dance routine but it was it. realistic wasn't it it was freaking it, hilarious it was so it was this dance that they'd learned at university was it, it was oh or is that or is that a party and it was, you know, it was sort of this, the friend was, a, they were all a bit drunk because they've been drinking parsnip wine. Mm. Um, and, you know, they were sort of like, oh, you remember the dance, you remember the dance. And then, of course, you know, in walks the wife and, and David she says, oh, you know, you know the dance. And she sort of like puts down the tea towel and it's like, kind of, of course I do. <laughs> Off they all go doing this little. Um, and it was it really was, well done as well. It was quite really in sync. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was. And it, it really added. Again, it was that sort of dark humour, but it was that sort of, uh, you know, the, the life that they've got, the life that they had, the mm. you know, the what's going to happen next. And of course, as well, there was the the, the love triangle that was going on. Mm. Um, you know, there'd been an affair between the friend and the husband. And it was almost like, you know, you sort of, the it really kind of gave you an insight into this husband and wife relationship where he had been a philanderer. She wasn't the only one. He mm. always came back. And so it was this kind of, you know, they, they were still going to do it together. Whatever they were going to do would be together. Yeah, they, they, there wasn't anything that could break that bond between them. That was It was quite beautiful, really. And it was funny because, again, David said to us when he came in that it was, you know, to do a nuclear fission, I don't get it. They did explain it here. They explained it at the beginning of the play. You've got three different particles that are kind of basically charge around each other and create the nuclear energy. And that's what this was. Three characters, three atoms. Oh, there you go. See? If only you listened clever. to the interviews I did without you, hey. Um, you know, so it was this kind of that parallel again of, of the this of the third person coming in and causing this stir within them and you know the bonding that happens between them and the chain reaction that that causes Indeed. really interesting but i thought honestly this was one of the best plays we've seen yeah uh, since really, we've been doing really this podcast strong. one of my absolute favorites it was it was so well written it was funny it was moving it was brilliantly directed fantastically acted mm. i just thought there was nothing there that didn't need to be there 
it was yeah. it just is it was what it was and it was a bit unnerving at the beginning when you walked in they said it was an hour and 40 minutes no interval and i thought no oh interval, my yeah. goodness like mm, don't know about that but i if if there'd been an interval it would have lost something mm, yeah it, so there is that level of fatigue that you get through that adds more to it actually because yeah. you think what it, what's going on what's going to happen yeah uh, and the, the closing lines of the play where the ocean is washing up mm-hmm. against the house and there's an animation that's played over them yeah and and it really made me feel quite claustrophobic i felt like i was sort of under the water with yeah them. um yeah that was really effective it was great so well done to everybody involved in that really really enjoyed it and that brings us to the end of another theatre show podcast. Uh, the last one for this year. The last one for 2019, indeed. So yes. we will see you again in 2020. Yes. Uh, we will be bringing you a review of George's Marvellous Medicine. We will. Well, I will. Yes, I, I will be sitting here biting my fingernails. <laughs> um, we will also be having a preview of some upcoming shows and hopefully talking to some people about some more of the things that happen backstage that let some of these wonderful shows happen for us. If you've got the show coming up um, and you want us to talk about it or you want to come in and talk to us about it, then do email us. It's uh, Susie at com And Ben at com. And we look forward to seeing you in the new year. Yes. Uh, and so I think it just remains to say thank you to all of our listeners thank you to everyone who's helped us thank you to everyone that's put on a play that we've gone to see and reviewed uh, it's been amazing to just see what's going on in the local community um, and I can't wait for next year just to do it more, more. Um, I cu- and obviously it goes without saying we couldn't do this without the support of the Hearts Advertiser thank you very much for their support of the St Albans podcast uh, thank you to producer Danny, even though he's not doing any work today. No, he's not really. It's and thank you to like, you, Susie. Thank you. Thank you, Ben. <laughs> and thanks to everyone who comes to watch the shows with us as well. Yes. All right. See you next year. Bye. Bye.